Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show, your place to learn how to build a flexible, fulfilling and financially rewarding business around your life. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, a business coach, top-ranking podcast host, speaker and new mum based in Melbourne, Australia. With a Master of Communications, experience coaching close to 1,000 entrepreneurs through my flagship program, The Modern Marketing Collective, and real-life experience building my own business from the ground up, I'm here to help you turn your ideas into reality and share your passions with the world. Click subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And now let's get into the show. Hello and welcome back to the show. How are you going? I hope you're really, really well. I'm staring out my window here in Melbourne at the dreary weather and I'm pretty excited about heading away to Noosa for a few days this week to speak at the Heart Centred Business Conference. And it's pretty cool because I'm sharing the stage with some women that have been on this podcast before and people that I have looked up to and just think are absolute powerhouses and legends in their game. And so to be not only attending the same conference as them, but speaking on the same stages as them, it's really, really cool. So a shout out to Tash Corbin for organizing the Heart Centered Business Conference. She has done such a stellar job. I'm in the private Facebook group for attendees and she's connecting everyone and giving everyone all the amazing information that they need. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to get away and have a few days around inspiring, amazing people and to share some insights. I'm talking about the topic Instagram at this conference and sharing key strategies, how to make it your own when you're on there and how to generate more clients from the app. Now, also as well, I am holding my own business retreat this year. This is the Elevate Business Retreat. I've run it several times now and it's such a game changer for your business. It's an all-inclusive, immersive experience to help you really take your business to the next level, depending on what that looks like for you. You'll come away with me and a small group of other entrepreneurs to the beautiful, relaxing Victorian spa country. We have our own gorgeous houses we stay in, private chef, and I take you through a series of integrated workshops that build on each other. We have dedicated hot seat sessions for you to get my brain and the other attendees' brains on your business. It's such a valuable activity to have to really kind of shed all the layers and be open and vulnerable to receiving that feedback, to sharing what your challenges are and doing so in a space that is pretty rare to come across. Uh, It's just something about being in person in a room with a small group of other people that are all there to support you and want to see you do really, really well. We'll explore how you can elevate your brand, your customer experience and your profits while overlaying your unique personality and your vision to bring more ease, less resistance and greater success. You're gonna be reinvigorated, inspired, connect with other entrepreneurial women and learn new strategies as you expand your mindset and elevate your business. The dates are the 11th to 13th of October, 2023. It's happening in beautiful Trentham, Victoria, here in Australia. 
And this is available to my members inside the Modern Marketing Collective. It's our amazing members retreat. So as you go ahead and apply, if you're not already a member, you'll be invited to join us inside the Modern Marketing Collective with an exclusive invite. So go ahead and register your interest now. Go to emilyosmond.com forward slash business dash retreat and uh, you can pop your name down. Now you're going to receive first access to be able to apply and also the early bird special on tickets too. So you're going to go ahead, go to the waitlist now, emilyosmond.com forward slash business dash retreat. And uh, I so look forward to sharing this incredible experience with you. And I thought before we get into today's episode, I'll just leave you with a few of the comments and amazing feedback from other women who have been. One of them said, I left the retreat with such a sense of clarity and calm, feeling liberated and determined. She said, prior to attending Emily's retreat, I was feeling somewhat stuck and apprehensive about spreading my wings in business. It was evident that Emily had thought of every little detail when planning the retreat and structured the workshop so we could get the most out of them. It's amazing how powerful it is when you bring a group of women together to share experiences and learn from each other. The weekend was full of great conversation, delicious food, a calming ambience, dynamic learning, self-discovery, tears, laughs, and so much more. And I highly recommend you invest in yourself and embrace Emily's Elevate Retreat. One more was the Elevate Retreat was the best investment I've made in my business all year. Not only was it a beautiful experience surrounded by inspiring, passionate women, but I gained real clarity on where I want to go in my business. I figured out exactly how I can best serve my dream clients and I'm full of confidence and excitement for where I can see my business going now. She says the workshops were packed full of value and I gained so much insight into my business through the brainstorming and chats with the group. It's not often that you can have so many amazing business women in the same spot all going through exactly what you are. And she finishes by saying there were so many beautiful touches to the weekend and Emily had thought of everything. The location was gorgeous, the food was divine, the laughs were plenty, and it was a wonderful experience away from work and family to be able to focus on myself and the goals I have for my business, I highly recommend. So go to emilyosmond.com forward slash business dash retreat, or you can just go to my homepage, follow the links, get your name down. You'll have first access to apply and access the early bird tickets. And I cannot wait to share this incredible experience with you. Alrighty, on to this episode. So today I'm joined by Emma Troy. Now you might recognize that name because she has come onto this podcast previously. She was in episode 112, speaking about boundaries, pricing, and VIP client experience. Now I was like, Emma, hang on a minute. We haven't had you on the podcast to talk about what you actually do, which is creating amazing websites. So Emma is the woman behind Emma Troy Design. She's such a powerhouse when it comes to creating stunning websites that leave a lasting impression and convert. She specializes in Show It, which is one of the options when it comes to website design and where to create your website. And it's such a stunning aesthetic. It has lots of different abilities and options when it comes to design. And it's what we built my website on. So Emma has such an amazing ability to blend that artistic vision with her technical expertise. And she helped me design my very own website on there. And my website is actually one of her templates that we then customized. I've had such amazing feedback on my website and it really does play such a huge role in my business by introducing people to who I am, what I'm all about, what my brand is, and taking them on that journey to working with me. So in this episode, Emma explains what a high converting website is and how to create one. We look at the essential steps to creating a website that not only captures the attention, but also converts visitors into valuable customers. 
She walks us through the do's and don'ts when building a website to encourage your clients to spend more time on each page and click through to the call to action buttons. So if you're feeling a little bit stuck around what should be on your homepage, what to write in your about page, how to design your office page, how to stay consistent with your brand and colors, what your navigation panel should look like, well, tune on in because Emma is filling us in on everything you need to know about creating a high converting website in 2023. Now, Emma has the most gorgeous templates for Show It available to buy on her website that you can check out. These are super easy to use and they're going to make your website look amazing with minimal effort on your part. You can purchase the template and plug and play your own images, your own copy and make it your very own. Now, you can also enjoy $100 off Emma's templates through me by entering VIP Emily at checkout. I am a proud affiliate for Emma. I love her design. She's helped me create my very own website based on one of her templates. And I know that many of my own students, friends and clients have loved having her templates and customizing them for her own business. So you can go to emmatroy.com.au forward slash shop, check out Emma's templates and sales page designs that you can use for your very own show it website. And when you enter VIP Emily at checkout, you'll score yourself a hundred dollars off. So go to emmatroy.com.au forward slash shop. And without further ado, let's get into this episode. I have Emma Troy here, who is a wonderful web designer, brand designer, and also a mum to your gorgeous Matilda. How old is she now, Emma? She is she just gone one? Am I right? She will be one in a couple of weeks. So we're we're close. So we're close to that first year milestone. Amazing. And we were just saying, so your husband is with Matilda, Coden's with Lando. And I thought we may as well hit record and talk because what did you do? What's your first year been like, Emma? First baby, first year of having a business, having Matilda. What has that actually looked like? Give me insight. I'm halfway through. Lando's yeah, six months. <laughs> absolutely. So I was super organized prior to Matilda arriving and having a lot of content already created. So I had a lot of people say it was like you didn't even leave. So that was good the first few months. And I thought I would be back at work within three months. But first baby, I think you think, yeah, it'll be fine. We'll have a routine in place by then. And and I did, but I just wasn't, I wasn't ready. Um, Matilda is an incredible, easygoing baby and she's slept through from six weeks. So very lucky that, yeah. Can you please teach Lando? He's still not doing that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think she was probably always going to be a good sleeper, but we use this, I got this bassinet called the Snoo. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah. I feel like that probably helped with the sleep training. And then we were just really strict. If it was just me, there would be so many times that I would have gone in and just picked her up, but I would stand at the, at the door and Caleb's like, don't do it. Don't do it. So in saying that, I could have been back at work a lot earlier, like if I wanted to work nights because she slept through night, but I just wanted that time to myself. I wanted that time for Caleb and I, and even though she slept through the night, I was still really tired. So mums that are up multiple times through the night doing feeds for the first six, 12 months or beyond that, I know there's a lot of mums that their little ones don't sleep through for many months, even beyond that first birthday. Like they must be exhausted, but I mean, I was still, have been still exhausted. So I just didn't want to push myself. And 
I kept hearing about all the, these things called sleep regressions. And I was like, this won't last. This sleeping through won't last. And I didn't want to pack my schedule and then, yeah, hit, the, hit a sleep regression and it just all go backward. And that never happened. But I just, yeah, I wasn't ready for client work or anything too much, I think. But I must say I was ready for something very early on. I feel like I needed just something other than folding, washing and, and caring for this little baby. I felt like I needed to tick something off my own list. So even if it was just 20 minutes a day to do some book work or work on a little bit of marketing or be creative. I didn't realize how much, like how important my work was to me and that creativity as an outlet. I remember trying for a baby and it took us a little while and I was like, I'm just so ready for these teddy bear picnics and to give, to have a big break from work. Like I'm tired. I've been doing this for many, many years. And then it's funny once then you are a mum. Yeah. I'm like, no, actually I do need work. I don't know if that's been the same for you. We've had a few oh, conversations. So I remember you saying yeah. you missed working more. Miss it's interesting because yeah, I was the same. I think, I don't know what it was, but I'm like, yeah, three months. Like I had my content pretty organized, podcast pretty organized. And then I, I don't really know what I, I think I was thinking, okay, then childcare or maybe a nanny or something. But I, I don't, think, I don't know, because he's six months now, I don't really know what happened the last three months, but <laughs> I think I probably, I wasn't, I don't know, it just felt so like hectic and full on around that time. And he was changing so much. And I don't think I was kind of even thinking, right, we're ready to go and, and childcare or nanny at that point, the last few months. And and I think actually at that three month part, that's when I was like, right, Coden, let's map this out. Let's get our weekly schedule happening. You have him here. I have him here. We're both self-employed work from home. But that has been challenging because I think it's a little bit like, well, if one of us has him, the other one is working, but we both kind of want to be working a bit. And I don't yeah. know. So now I, I'm like probably going to get him started at childcare next in the next couple of weeks, just for probably, well, I think two days is the minimum that they'll take. So two days a week and they'll be my two work days. It's like, I've always wanted to be a mom. I've had that part of me and it's amazing, but it is relentless. And I also kind of go back and forth between, well, hang on, this is all that I like, this is what I've always wanted. And now I have it, but I also have my business and that is more than money to me. It is that creative outlet and that ideas and it just fulfills me. And it's just, I don't know, I think, right. I, I can't do both full time. And I think with my business, it is set up in a way that it doesn't need me full time in terms of 40 hours a week. And I have that intention that it will, I'll always pretty much work part-time hours with it and then have like days with children. And I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's great that like Coden has his own thing going on as well. So you can manage your schedules, oh my which gosh, is what so lucky. Caleb yeah. and I are doing. So Caleb used to work at sea. So he'd be away five or six weeks at a time and then home, you know, five or six weeks, which knowing that I always wanted children, it took a little bit more convincing for, for Caleb. But And a big part of that was probably, well, how is this going to work when my job is I'm away half the year? And we were just lucky that we're in a position, my business was going really well and it didn't need a lot of me that he was able to take 
a big chunk of time off and be home with me throughout my pregnancy, throughout the birth of Matilda. And then it's given him time to start his own business here. And it just means we can balance our schedules because we don't we don't want to do daycare yet. We're, we're out in the country. So a daycare is a little bit harder. You have to then travel to, I'll have to take Matilda somewhere and it just kind of eats into your day a little bit. But we do have Caleb's mum super close. So his parents are a little bit older and they live, they have a cottage on our property. So it's super handy. But in saying that, I'm not even utilising that probably as much as I should. I just feel bad. Like I just, because I want to be with my baby, but then I also want to <laughs> I want to work as well. It's a hard balance, but I think if you can get that time scheduled in so that when you're with your baby, you're not feeling anxious about That's work. That's the thing, hey? Yeah. Yeah. One, once we got a little bit of time scheduled in, even if it was Caleb just taking her for an hour in those early days, just knowing that I had that hour coming up, I mean, I could just really enjoy the time with her and not worry or get frustrated that have an idea and think, oh, no, I can't, I need to go and fulfill this idea or, yeah. And what's it it like for you now, Em, business-wise, Matilda? Well, now now that she's a bit older, it's much easier and I feel like we've got our schedules balanced a lot better. I introduced VIP days, which... Which I've done one of, loved it, yes. So it just means that a day kind of locked away in my studio working is much better than spreading the the work out over a, a week. I can just lock myself away. And it means it's it's one day out of Caleb's schedule as well. It's not like three or four afternoons in the week, it's like little tidbits. It just it's easier for us to organize. And it's they're great. It's a it's a big day and I get up really early and but I, I love the challenge of it. It's been great in terms of the challenge. And I'm actually really productive and I doing them, I've realized how probably unproductive I was prior to having a baby because you have too much time. And I knew it. I did know it at the time, but I'm like, crap, I could have done so much more. <laughs> yeah, I just get so much done in that day because you're super focused and, hey, like this time will run out at the end of the day. It's only a VIP day. Whereas before, when I had a full week to work on numerous projects, um, I probably just wasn't great with my time. I think parenting is really great for time management. Mm, Totally. And I can relate, Em, just I can see how that would work really well. Having that focus day where it's like, right, this is my work day. I've got, whether it's Caleb or someone to look after Matilda, and it just works well. Because I've found that when I go out and do my speaking gigs, I've done, I think, well, I had one in Sydney for two days and Coden and Lando came up to Sydney and they hung out together and I did the speaking gigs. And then I've had a couple of others where I've gone out and I'm like, this is, this works really well. Well, like we get it in the diary. I'm away. So I'm not kind of getting sucked into things at home or all that. I go out, I do it. And then I come back and I'm like, this works really well. <laughs> it, do- mm. it does. I think, yeah. Cause it, it has been challenging at times, like when I'm still here and, and Matilda's here and I'll want to just go and see her and then I probably disturb things a little bit because, you know, she can get a little bit sooky for me. But it's just great having, I think, a really awesome partner. It sounds like Coden is great. Kayla will often, he'll he'll just say, I'll take her so you're not disturbed. You know, he'll take her to do the shopping or for a drive or to visit his mum or something like that. But it's, it's, yeah, it's just good, I think, if you've got a really good partnership there. and definitely. 
Mm. Yeah. Oh, good, Em. I look forward to staying, continuing the conversation around that. I like to look, okay, who's a bit ahead of me? What can I learn from them? What are they doing? What's working? And yeah, so thank you for sharing. Yeah, no worries. Cool. Well, the reason I asked you on today was to talk with you about life, everything, but specifically around websites. I'm going to get you first of all, Em. Do you want to introduce yourself? And just share what it is that you do, what you offer, what you love helping other people with through your business. Sure. So I'm a brand designer and a website expert, and I'm a show it design partner for creatives, coaches, and entrepreneurial adventurers. So I help I help people, I guess, really transform their boring brands and bland websites into nearly magical money-making masterpieces. So I love conversion and I'm quite passionate about that. Plus, I really love visual storytelling and really creating, I guess, these immersive online experiences that, I guess, illustrate a business's or a brand's story and really illuminate their value and what they have to offer. So I do this through custom design as well as easy to use templates as well. And I'm just really, I just love storytelling. And like I said, probably particularly visual storytelling, being a designer. And I think that a great brand experience is all about the story. And if you can combine your brand visuals, which is kind of like the character or the hero of your story with your website, which acts as, I guess, the setting of your story, if you get your character and your setting right, then I think you'll you and your brand will be irresistible to your audience. And brand is really important to me. I think it is, I guess, on a on a varying scale for different businesses. But for me, it's one of my core values is delighting customers, delighting people when they experience my brand and doing that through like stunning, gorgeous visuals. And so for me, I worked with you a couple of years ago now to redo my branding, to create my website. And then we continue to work together over different projects for updates and new things. We did a design day recently, VIP day to create, just to do some updates. It'd been a couple of years and I'd been tinkering myself. I'm like, can you just come in and (laughs) make this look good, please? So I would love to look at, okay, for everyone here and everyone, for those that are tuning in, What does it look like to create a website specifically based on conversions and how, what does that actually mean, first of all? So uh, I guess if we go back to what a conversion is, and basically Mm. a conversion is when a user on your website takes action. So they'll click a button in the hope to book or buy or learn more. And ultimately that's, that's the, the end goal of a website is that you want browsers clicking and potentially taking action to then go ahead and book with you or buy from you or download something from you. So that's what a conversion is. And then in terms of like a conversion optimized website, I feel like it's it's a really kind of, I guess, clever combination that mixes design, which is like the beauty behind a website, because design is often all about first impression. So and first impressions really count. So if we combine design with psychology or conversion op- optimization, this is like the brains of your website. And then the third part would be, I would say, user experience. It's kind of like the magic dust 
And so if we break that down a little bit further, when it comes to design, we want to make our website really visually appealing. And this, it can, it sounds so simple and easy for me to say that because I'm a designer. So if you're not a designer, I think the best thing to do when it comes to design is to stay consistent with your design. So your layouts and your colors, sticking to a limited color palette. So if a brand designer has created a style guide for you, there might be eight colors in that style guide. It doesn't mean you have to use them all on your website. Using white space to, it gives your content like more room to breathe and it allows scanners to actually take in that information because a visitor will visit your site numerous times before they will actual, actually convert or take action. And a well-designed website can raise your conversion rate by something like up to 200%, which is incredible. So design, like we know design is important for a website, but design is also important for a high converting website as well. And then if we look at the next part beyond that would be is then the psychology and then the user experience. I would love you to give an example of what a website might look like or be on the website or be designed in a way that isn't high converting, just so we can kind of picture and maybe identify, oh crap, okay, yep, I can see that. I thought I had a strategic website, but I might be missing these things or I might have these things on there that aren't helping. Could you yeah, give an example yeah. of what a website would be if it's not necessarily optimized to convert? Yeah. So if we're talking about design, I think a big thing would be if people aren't consistent. So they will have a real kind of mishmash of colors. They will, won't have a clear font structure. So your heading should all be the same size and the same font. That goes, that's the same for subheadings and body text being a consistent size across all pages using a consistent structure for buttons. So they should be, you should have one or two different kind of button colors or layouts. If someone isn't using high quality images, so the images are blurry, often people can over decorate on their website. So they've just got too much like everywhere and then and they're not being consistent. And then spacing. When I do website audits, often the most, the go-to recommendation that I give people is it seems so simple, but it's the consistency in the spacing between parts of their website. So the the spacing between a header and then that paragraph of body text should always be the same throughout a website. And then the spacing between that body text and a button. And I think because once you lose that consistency, things look messy. They just look like they've been placed anywhere. And then using, I guess, the way that people normally view a website or or using that people normally read from left to right there's this thing called the the z pattern that I like to use when I design so we naturally move from left to right with our eye and then we'll often come down diagonally back to the left and then go to the right again so placing items where a reader's natural kind of eye movement will go to help people consume that information it's so hard to explain design via a podcast like it's it's easy to kind of showcase this but I think yeah if you look at consistency is a big one it seems so simple but it can make a huge difference absolutely having the colors understanding well what is my header 
font? Am I being consistent with that across my website? Are my spacings all the same? And I think as well, simplicity too. And often when I look at websites, there's just, let's say on one portion of the website that's on the screen before you've scrolled down, there's so much text to try and read. Maybe it's really small. There's two boxes filled with text and it's just like, oh my gosh, there's so much information on there. So I think as well, isn't it? Like just keeping it simple, breaking it down and having that, what you what you call and what is called in the industry, the white space, letting the text kind of breathe on the page. And it's almost like in books, uh, spacing out with the, the paragraphs, having headers in there. Maybe there's a little bo- a pullout box that focuses on the one point. And just thinking about how people are consuming this, how people are reading that page on your website. And I like as well to give suggestions of, okay, think about and save different websites that you love visiting. And then looking at, well, what is it that you love about those websites? Is it that there's really nice breathability on the page with big headers that then have a nice big photo and then scrolling down, there's that text that's easy to consume and read before you get to the next section too. I think that can be a good good way to go about it as well in terms of looking at, well, what are websites I really like? What don't I like? And what are the differences between them? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big thing also is, so if we talk about like the the psychology or yes. the like the brains of a website is calls to action. So making sure that you have CTAs on your website and that will mean that your website will convert because the human brain expects a call to action on a website. Like we go on a website knowing that we're going to be make that click, but so many websites don't include them. And if you want a conversion, you basically have to ask for it. You have to u- ask the user to take action, to, to make a move and click through your website. Yet so many people don't include them. And I remember once designing a website and the client sent me over her copy and it was written by a professional copywriter and the homepage had no calls to action on it. So it was basically a dead end, like the homepage, which is where it kind of the homepage filters people through a website and sends them where they need to go, depending on what they're looking for. So I was like, we need to add some buttons here. I know that you've got your menu up the top, but as someone scrolls through, if you're not asking them to take action or click, we've got a really short attention span. People are busy. They're just going to completely click off. And having these calls to action on each page means that your website is going to be a a continuous clicking loop so that you're keeping people on your website for longer. And then the longer that they stay on your site, the more that they get to know you and like you and trust you. So You basically want no dead ends. Even on things like blog posts, there should be a call to action at the end. And I think they're really key for conversion, actually asking people to take action. And then the last part, I guess, of conversion optimization or a great website would be user experience. And I guess this is not so much about design. It's more about people. It's more about the people visiting your website and it's how they feel. Like you mentioned, you will ask some some of your clients, like write down what websites that they they like and what is it about them. And often it's it could be a feeling that they get as they kind of move through the site. I I guess user experience is I don't know. I guess it's kind of like customer experience. If you were to have a physical shop, you get a feeling when you, by the, from the time you find the store and you walk in and how products are placed and. The, the music that's on. The smell. Or... Is there a candle burning? Is there incense? Mm. So you want to make sure that 
the user experience is, is top-notch as well so that, it, that it's easy to navigate. You've got those clear menus that you're using those consistent layouts and a clear page structure with visual cues to help people move through. And, and, and I guess the, a, a great way to, to create a good user experience is to know your audience and to be able to map out those different user journeys on a page. So knowing why they're coming to your website and making sure that from that first interaction, like if they land on your homepage, that you're easily sending them off to the different parts of your website that they're wanting to go. So that if if they're going to come to your website to book a call or to maybe buy a product, that on your homepage that you've structured your website, that's, that you can actually filter them through those different avenues, I guess. Yeah, so good, Em. And um, so we've looked at those core elements of what exactly is a high converting website, what elements should we be thinking about? And we've touched on the homepage, but I'd love to go through some of the core pages on a website and just your top tips and almost like a bit of a checklist. All right. If there's just three things we're going to discuss for each of these, what would they be? So the homepage you've discussed around people should be landing on there and then be moving to another page on the website that you're directing them to versus just kind of landing on the homepage and it's a bit of a dead end without any call to actions. Could you explain that and any other top tips for that homepage, Em? Yeah, so I think you should be really clear about who you are and what you offer on your homepage. So having that really clear at the top, whether it be like an image of you and then your... Like the core message. Yeah, your Mm. core message, your unique value proposition. That's a word I was looking for. Value propositioning. And that's, I know that my students is one of the big focuses in the Modern Marketing Collective. And it's such a challenge to look at it objectively and look at your business and to come up with that and make it people overcomplicate it as well I think and try and make it sound really fancy but then it's just very very vague and hard to hard to actually get to the bottom of what exactly is it that you do or that you offer but once you get that core message for your business then it is the type of thing that you can use everywhere on that home page up the top in your social media profile and all that type of thing so yeah really important yeah absolutely that when someone lands on your website they want to know that they've in the right place and that you're the person for them. So making that super clear at the top of your homepage. And then I think filtering them off if you've got a number of different services or maybe you have service and product, I think the next step on a homepage would be to filter users into those next sections. So asking them what they want to do. Are they there to work with you or are they there to buy from you and, and potentially DIY? If, if that's if you sell something like templates or if you've got a course, like are they there to learn from you? And I think before you even start building your website, before you even start working on your homepage to map out your website goals, so what you want people to do and what they're probably arriving there to do and then ordering the content so that it achieves your goal. So if your top goal is to get people to book a call with you, then making sure you have that at the, at the top part of your homepage. And maybe one of your not as important goals would be to build your email list. So having that freebie or, hey, join the email list like towards the bottom of your homepage. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. So what about the about page and what what are a couple of tips you have for there for people with about pages specifically when they are selling their services or courses what should they be thinking about on the about page 
Yeah, so I feel like the, the About page is probably a pretty underrated page. And it's important to remember that the About page isn't just about you. It's where you can make a connection with your audience. You can tell stories so that they can relate to you and you can show that maybe you've got certain things in common. Maybe you once had the pain point that they have now and you've moved through it and got the solution to that particular pain point. And of course, it's where they can get to know you a little bit more. And a great thing to do on about pages is it's this thing called scrolly telling. So it kind of sounds a bit like a roll dal word or something, some made up word, but it's, I guess it's basically combining scrolling with storytelling. You can use your about page to tell the story of your own journey and use scrolly telling so that your story kind of unfolds as you scroll. So you can use things like a little bit of animation, even if it's just a, a fade-in effect as someone scrolls, the next section kind of fades in. Maybe a little bit of gamification or like, a, yeah, like transition effects, like that, that fading, so that as they scroll, the next part of the story kind of reveals. And it's, it's a little bit more engaging because I think people assume they land on an about page and they're going to read someone's long-winded bio. But if you can engage them and keep your audience wanting more. Yeah, I think that's really important. I've been reading a lot of like pop-up books with Matilda. So it's kind of like a, I think of it as a using scrolly telling, like having your about page as an adult pop-up book. It's like more interactive, um, hey. Even though it yeah. is just scrolling, it makes it like, oh, what's going to happen next or what's behind this little pop-up? Yeah, yeah, it's more visually enticing. Mm. And I think it, it adds a bit of a probably more of a human element to you because it's hard to get to know someone just via a website. So if you can, if you have a fun personality and you can add those fun elements into your about page, yeah, I think you're just going to entice people and keep them on longer and don't make your about page a dead end. At the bottom, you can, after you've just said, this is where I've been, these are like the trenches that I was in and now I'm out and I can help you and hey, here's the ways that I can help you. So having calls to action at the end of your homepage. Yes. Typically, and you might correct me here, Em, but typically one of the most visited pages, people are like, right, who is this person? What are they all about? Click on it. So you want to then move them through to the next place rather than just Yeah, it's real. It, like I said, it's underrated. I think people think I'll just quickly whip it up. A few pictures of myself and the what certificates I have and no one, no one will visit, but it is very, very visited. And also I find as well, a couple of my own tips, I'll slip in here, but make sure that your name is on there. And I know that sounds really maybe simple or odd, but often I go to people's websites and it's written maybe about the company, but there's no actual name of who the business founder is, who the owner of the business is or what your name is. So just make sure you've actually got your first and last name on your web, on your about page at least. And a photo is always really nice too, just so we can put a face to the name. Yeah, that's a great point about the name. I actually went to a website the other day and I couldn't find out the person's name at all because it was we do this or we, yeah. And I have to say having your name there would be great. If you have a personal brand, it's going to be great for SEO mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Top tip. So good. And by the way, did you wake up, did you come up with the scrolly telling? No, I can't take credit oh, for that. I love it. It's awesome. It's it's an actual name of it, but I love it because I love 
Roald Dahl books. And it just reminds me of of some crazy made-up name that that he would have created. Absolutely. I'm reading some Dr. Zeus at the minute. I don't think Lando obviously is understanding it. I'm getting a lot of enjoyment from it and uh, it reminds me of something Kids from there. Kids books are great. Oh, Kids so books are good. fun. So good. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to the offers page. Let's say they've landed on a page that's like, here's how you can work with me. Here's what I offer. What are your top tips for this page, Em? Not necessarily a long-form sales page that's all about that one particular course or offering, but just a here's how we can work together overview page. What, what do you recommend for this page? Yeah, I think having all of your content categorized. So if you mm-hmm. offer, say, three services and there's three, there might be three different packages, three different pricing, so making sure that they're clearly defined and separated on the page. So whether that main services page you might just mention them and then you filter people off to an individual services page or you might have all of the information on the one page and you could use a, a click to scroll feature. So if you've got your three services listed at the top of the page and they click on the third, it'll automatically scroll to that section. So they're not having to scroll manually and find that information. It's just quick and easy because we're all very time poor when it comes to to being on websites. And I think, I mean, some might disagree with this, but I think including your pricing somewhere is really important, even if it's just a from X amount. So that's, and a lot of time that's the information that they're looking for. So give it to them and you can dive deeper into the inclusions in a pricing kit if you want to, if you you really want to capture email addresses, because I feel like that's why some people may not put pricing on their uh, page because they want to capture someone's email address to to then nurture them beyond the website, which is fine. But yeah, if you you could capture that email address with something like a pricing kit, but ha- definitely having pricing because otherwise, I mean, some people would reach out to you maybe via your contact page to learn more, but it, I feel like it wastes their time and it's wasting your time yeah. as well. Mm. Good tips. Let's go to the, let's say there is a page for an opt-in so for someone to pop their email address in to get that lead magnet, and let's say it's something like your top tips for something or a checklist or a mini guide, what are your top tips for this type of page, Em? I think keep it short and sweet because obviously if somebody's landed on that page, they're interested in the freebie that you've mentioned, whether it be your homepage or maybe you mentioned it over on Instagram. So having the, the sign-up form close to the top but you can also at the top maybe go into a little bit more detail about the freebie and have maybe having five benefits of the freebie or if you download this freebie or this guide, this is X, Y, Z, this is what you'll be able to achieve. Having a picture of an iPad with the freebie or if, if it's a masterclass, maybe a laptop because we like to see that we're actually, although we're not getting something physical, Something it's just a PDF often landing or a link landing in our I- inbox. It's nice to see something physical. Hey, this is this is what you get, and it's for free. And yeah, having the the sign up page and don't under underestimate the power of testimonials and reviews, even for a freebie. So if you've had someone that's replied to your email or that's popped into your DM and was like, "Oh, I watched that free masterclass and it was an amazing." Of course, get permission if, if you're going to show a photo or something, but save all those reviews and pop them on your page, your freebie page. Such a good point. 
great tip as well about helping people visualize what they're going to get just to make it more tangible when they when you say when you're kind of describing hey this is what you're going to get having that mock-up of it so people can visualize is a great tip yeah and, and that works yeah. really well in in sales pages mm. we i work with a lot of course creators and often a course is online so it's not often that you get something physical but if you can show people the value by kind of yeah making it more of a, a physical showing those physical features like yeah the iPads and the the desktop mm. mockups plus bonuses that you'll get this this and this and, a, and an actual mockup of an iPad or a book cover or something like that so good great tips okay lastly I would love to chat about the navigation bar so that's do you want to explain to people what that is and then any of your top tips for what we should or shouldn't be thinking about when it comes to it Sure. So your navigation is what appears normally either at the top of your website with links to different pages. And then sometimes people will have in combination with that top navigation, they might have what's called a hamburger menu, which they click to reveal a further menu. Some people will just have that hamburger menu that will open and have the links to different pages. So it's basically how we move through a website. So apart from obviously having calls to action and, and different buttons throughout website pages. So in terms of tips, if you're having a, a top navigation menu where you might have your logo plus some page list pages listed, I feel like a good number is about six. And then if you've got extra pages that are still important but not as important as those top six, then that's where a hamburger menu comes in really well. Or you could utilize the footer menu and have some of those extra links down the bottom. And in terms of design, often, like I said, we, we read from left to right. So having some of those more important pages over on the left, some people might have their logo in the middle. So you can, it's a nice way to split. You could have three menu items on the left and three on the right. Otherwise, if you've got your logo on the left, just making sure you give logo your logo a little bit of space so you can push the rest of those kind of tabs or menu items over to the right. And normally we will see, if you have a hamburger menu, that's normally going to be over the right-hand side. I mean, some websites will change that, but I think making sure that we also follow some of the rules of how people, or how they're used to using websites and how they're used to moving through websites. So we can get a little bit fancy, but you don't want to get too fancy and too unique that someone doesn't even know how to actually use your website. Yeah, so true. Yeah, there are a few different different ones popping up, which are definitely different and creative, but also it can be a little bit like, hang on a minute, I don't really know what I'm meant to click here to actually get into the website and, and things like that. Yeah, and we're time poor, so you don't mm. want to make, make people kind of work, work for mm. it. Now, finally, Em, are there any trends or new ways of doing things that you are liking to see 2023 with websites? Anything that you're like, yep, this is a good one to jump on or here's a, a bit of a theme or a trend that's happening with websites that you recommend? Anything you've got to share there? I think a big one for me at the moment is the scrolly telling that I was telling you about, just really enticing users and websites at the moment are a lot more immersive I think because there's so many websites around so and we see multiple websites a day and we're kind of just on there looking for information and we're going to click off really fast so I think if you can keep 
a user on there longer. So by using things like video and animation is quite big at the moment. It kind of just breathes life into your website by adding a bit of movement. Gamification is really great at the moment. It kind of personalizes that user journey and it's a little bit more interactive. So you can use gamification to, to, I guess, keep people on your site for longer so that they a little bit more interested in clicking through. And it could be as simple as maybe a scroll through on your about page, like five fun facts about me. And I think at the moment also, like just really f- what's trending is just really focusing on, I feel like for 2023, I've seen a lot of people talking about in kind of all aspects of their marketing and it goes for website as well as really building unique brand experiences. So making sure that your website is a part of that kind of core brand experience and I guess making sure that it's it's engaging, that it serves a purpose and it's providing content for users, but that it's showing what's unique about you, just taking people on a really unique journey and not necessarily what other people are doing either. Like don't be afraid if something doesn't is trendy at the moment, but it doesn't fit your brand experience, then that's okay. If gamification is not going to suit your brand experience, don't force it and don't fit it in just because it's on trend. I think that's really important as well. And just more unique layouts, I think as well. I feel like that box design is kind of outdated. So we want to see a lot more overlapping elements. It's hard with trends because even color trends, I think we can automatically feel like we need to go and then update our brand or our website to fit certain trends but then that could like I said it could impact your brand experience so I think number one focusing on your brand experience and that user journey so that it if you're funneling people from social media that 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 all still links that brand experience still feels the same it's just a, a a continuous I guess or another iteration of going from social media to website and then maybe website to email list yeah. and being consistent. Yeah. 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 I've added a bit more branding into my emails because I'm like, hang on a minute. These are just super quite plain and I feel like it's not another, they're not representing my brand. So I've gone and added a bit more color and some images and that type of thing just just to make it more consistent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Speak to the brand across all those touch points. Now, M. When it comes to websites, you have some brilliant templates and we actually, you and I work together. So I hired you I started with a template and then hired you to actually customize the template for me. But you also sell templates that people can go away and actually add their own imagery, their own copy and that type of thing. We have a special code that I'll share in the intro and outro of this podcast. But while I've got you here, I just want to ask you, who do you think they would be a good fit for? Who do you think's, um, yeah, what a great fit to go ahead and buy one of your templates? So my templates have been built for the show at website platform. So if you're using Showit or looking to use Showit, then they would be the perfect fit for you. Showit is perfect for service-based businesses. So it doesn't have a shop add-on. So if you're if you're mainly selling products, then it's probably not going to be the best fit for you. Something like Shopify would be the way to go. So if you're a service-based business, my templates are perfect they they've been built in a high converting way so in terms of I've combined the I guess the the rules of design as well as that psychology and conversion optimization in terms of the layout 
There's lots of calls to action. I've even got like copy is super important for conversion as well. And they include copy prompts. So writing your own copy can be really hard. So I've got great copy prompts for headers. And then I kind of tell you in body text, like this is where you can go on to explain X, Y, or Z. And they're perfect if DIYing is great if you're on a budget and maybe you're in early stage of business because you're not going to fork out a lot of money for a custom website. And when you're in those er- that early stage of business, you might be changing services a lot or maybe you might update your niche because you're just in that first 12 months, you're working out what it is you like and, and who it is you want to serve. So you don't want to fork out a lot of money on a custom website. So that's where DIYing and using a template is great. They're great if you need to get a, a site up quickly because all you have to do is go in and update the text and the images. You don't even technically need a brand because they've been branded with a color scheme and you're able to create a text-based logo within the template by just writing your name and using the the fonts that are included. But of course, the wonderful thing about Showit is that you can change everything. Like it is a true drag and drop platform. So if you do have a brand, you can get a template and make it look even more unique by uploading your own color palette and and font structure or the, the different type that you use. So that's probably who they're best for. Yeah. Perfect. And and like we were saying, it they allow you as well with Show It. I, I'm a big, big fan. That's what my website's built on. And um, it allows you to do those really creative things like the overlapping, embedding the full screen kind of GIF or little videos in the background to scroll over and just lots of really cool creative things that I think just bring that brand to life more than really most other platforms that I've seen. So definitely check out M's templates. It's got some great like animation features as well. Like you can have transition effects and things bouncing. I like to think of show it as the Canva for websites. It is really easy to use and like easy to to get a lot of these cool looking or like really enticing features without having to know code. You don't need to know any code. It's just a drag and a drop which is awesome, awesome for people building a website because nobody wants to. I think a lot of people are scared of DIY because it seems to be hard because a lot of people may have started with a platform like WordPress, which can be quite a little bit more technical. But I think if you get the right platform, then you definitely don't need a professional web designer to get to launch your website. You can totally just DIY it yourself. Yeah. And it's been an iteration for my business. I Definitely started with the DIYing and then I moved to purchasing templates and customizing them. And then my website that we worked on a couple of years ago was um, with a lot of input from you and I and I love it and get lots of compliments on it. And it's really helped bring my brand to life. So, Em, thank you for joining me today. Pleasure. So, thank you for having me. Absolutely. And where can everyone go to find you and, and follow you, Em? Yeah, so you can find me at my own online home, which is emmatroy.com.au and keep an eye out. I'm not sure when this is airing, but I'm working on a brand new website. It's been a while. I feel like a bit of a hypocrite. I tell people (laughs) to make sure that they update their website at least, at least every two years. And it's been well over two years for me. I've been busy creating templates and websites for everyone else. So I'm really excited about Yeah, my new online home that's launching. And then, of course, Instagram, Instagram at Emma Troy Design. Yeah, basically, that's mainly where I hang out. 
I feel like I'm not online as much now being a mum, but I am, I am about, you can find me. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time and uh, I can't wait for more people to just create amazing websites. So thank you for all the work that you do. And I'm excited to keep working together, creating gorgeous brand things and um, continuing to elevate my website. So thanks so much, Em. Pleasure. Sounds good. Oh, I hope you loved this episode. I always get so much out of chatting with Em and uh, I love how generous she is with the knowledge that she shares. Now, just a reminder before we wrap up today that you can go ahead and score $100 off Emma's gorgeous, stunning website templates and sales page templates for Show It. So just go to her website. You can go to emmatroy.com.au forward slash shop and choose the one that you like and you can score $100 off with my affiliate code VIP Emily. So just enter VIP Emily at checkout and score yourself $100 off. Shop up a storm and enjoy. I cannot wait to chat with you next week.